Hello and welcome back to the Bass Impact Podcast presented by Suburban Bass. And um, very excited this week, um, all-time legend of the scene alongside. Um, someone that I always enjoy talking to, always got a great story. And, and um, someone that I raved to personally back in the day and we get, we're going to chat about that. Um, this is a special Christmas edition, so Merry Christmas to everyone. And um, let me waste no time in introducing... The infamous, the famous, the legendary Kenny Ken. Welcome along, yep, Ken. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, what's there, happening, mate? <laughs> there he is. Now, I've known this man for, for a very long time. And um, I guess you, you must have started DJing uh, when I started my business, but kind of before Suburban Base had really established. And you were one of those names on the flyer that I would always go out and rave to, you know? And, uh, and we became good yeah. friends and... Um, but, but yeah. you, you were there right at the start, Ken. Tell me, you know, the, those yeah. early days, those early raves. That's what the listeners want to hear well, about. The early days for me was I was working on um, London Transport. Yeah. And, I remember uh, you telling me this, yeah. Yeah, I was working on on the underground and raving had just started. My mates, because I've come from Bethnal Green, like Hackney, and my mates were um, saying to me, oh, Ken, you got to come to one of these acid ass parties, man. But the word acid put me off it, you know what I mean? Just yeah. the word acid, it put me off it kind of thing. And then one day, because we, we used to rave at some, some this uh, R&B soul club, hip hop club up in South End, I forget the name of it. And we used to go there like every it, Friday. In right? South End, there was like Tops and Zero yeah. Six, that was back in the day. I, yeah. think it was, I think it was Zero Six. I zero think it was six. Zero Six. Yeah, yeah, one of them clubs anyway, right? So one day we was driving down there and my mate Tony said to me, Ken, I've got three ecstasy tablets in my pocket, right? Should we take one? Should we try one? And I was like, nah, nah, I ain't doing that. Nah, yeah. nah, nah. Anyway, come on, let's just do one. Let's just try it out. Everyone's going on about it. So we took one each. By the time we got to South End, we was flying, right? We got in this club, lit up the whole club, right? Even the, even the, um, the club owner said, mate, you lot can come down every week, get him for free, right? So anyway, cut a long story short, we went down to London. As we was driving down to London, I said to Tony, Tony, let's find one of these acid ass parties, man. I know with it, I think I know where there's one. And it was in um, I think it was Back Church Lane in Whitechapel. And I remember going through some corrugated iron and you know, yeah. crawling through some shit. And we got into this warehouse, and mate, it was just some something I've never seen before. The music, everything, it just hit me. And from there I got converted, you know, it was just brilliant. Just a house music boom 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 it was just yeah. brilliant you know what i mean and it's a feeling isn't it when when that music goes through you and and you know i, yeah. dare, I dare say a little pill helped but uh, you know yeah, it cha but, but changes then, your life forever just get, be, being engaged with yeah. the music to that extent you know yeah but well what 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 done it for me was the different nationalities the different colors that was in there like black people white people indian people all yeah. kinds of different people and everyone was just raving under one roof and that's what attracted me to it yeah. because it was the music as well. Don't get me wrong. And yeah, the drugs help, but if you're sensible, it's not always about the drugs. You know what I mean? You've got to like right. your environment as well. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, the diversity of people in this place and people were so friendly and that. And then from there, we just started going every week. We was looking for a party to go to, you know? It was, it was a very, very special time. But I mean, you yeah. were obviously connected with music before that. You was a, a big music yeah, fan. Yeah. And, and what was, yeah, what was yeah. uh, you know, raving, clubbing like before that experience for you? Before that, I, used to, I was more of a, 
I suppose to like a lot of um like I said, zero six and south end dukes. But anyway, it was mostly like hip hop, R and B, soul, disco, yep. you know what I mean? That yep. kind of style reggae. I just love my reggae. I used to go to a lot of Shabines. Yeah. Like after hours clubs. And I yeah. used to go to them regular. And, I was and, a regular. And the, and the blues parties around East London. Blues parties, blues, yeah. yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah. All them I used to go to all that. And that was me. That was, you know, but I never I mean I had I had I had DJ before that. But it was only one time a girl asked me to play at her party and I used to have one of them twin decks, like a, yeah. the old twin decks. And it had two decks on it with a little mixer in the middle. And I used to have one of them. And she said to me, Ken, would you play at my party? So I said, yeah, and I went and played at her party. But that was the only time I DJed, you know what I mean? And then yeah. I never thought about DJing. I wasn't thinking about DJing, you know what so, I mean? So Until tell me, Ken, what... Acid acid. So we... we, we... Get the acid house scene, and and you're excited about yeah. being part of it as as a party goer. What, yeah. you know, what point did you go <laughs> like, you know, I want to do this. I want to be up there behind right. the decks. I want to be doing this. Well, one day, I was I liked the music so much, right, Dan, that after a while, I used to work at Oxford Circus Station, and every dinner lunchtime, I used to go to Black Market because it was only around the corner from Oxford Circus Station. Yeah. So I used to go to Black Market Records. And the guy who used to work in a Stafford, his name was, I used to, he used to give me all the latest, like all the white labels and all that. So my record collection started before I actually, my, my rave record collection started before I actually started DJing. Yeah. So I used to get all the tunes. And then when I had a nice selection of tunes, I thought, you know what? I could do it. It was watching people like Groove Rider, Carl Cox, DJ Bones, them three DJs yep. stuck in my head. You know what I mean? And there was also another pair of DJs called Them Two. I don't know if you remember them from Canby Island. Yeah, I do. Uh, I da- do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Darren, Darren and Dean, I think their names was. Right. One day, I bought, I got myself a set of decks. I didn't even know what SL1200s were then. Someone said to me, yeah, you need a set of SL1200s. I didn't even know what they was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. But anyway, I got a set of decks and Dean come around my house. We'd all been raving one night and he come around my house. It's a Sunday morning and he stayed the whole day and we just let him mix and I was watching him. I was watching everything he was doing. And then when they, he said, go on, do you want to go now, Ken? I went, no, 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 go on, just carry on, just carry on. But when they left, I was straight on them decks and I was trying to learn how to mix myself. And that's where I started to think, I could do this, you know? So I picked it up pretty quick, you know what I mean? I mean, you and must thought, have done. I could do this. You, you must have come up yeah, really quick. Yeah, I picked quick. it up pretty because, quick. Because yeah. like around that time, like you're just getting into it. Next thing, yeah. you're, you're on all the lineups. I'm seeing Kenny Ken yeah. on everything, and like you know, a, a big name in the scene from very early. You know, I think what it was, Dan. Quick... Go on. What it was, I used to make it my business to know the actual people running the parties I used to rave at. Yeah, I just made it my business to get in with that crowd, not because I wanted to DJ. It's just the kind of person I was. You know what I mean? Getting in with that kind of crowd. You know what I mean? And so by the time I started DJing, I knew who was who. You know. And like, for instance, Crazy Club at Astoria, they was one of the first people that gave me a residency. And um, Joe from Labyrinth, Joe and Sue from Labyrinth. Yeah. They was the kind of the first people that gave me a residency. And then it just kicked off from there, really, you know? I feel like Labyrinth was a big part of your story, you know? When, yes. when you think about yeah, like, some, yeah. some of the big raves and how people really kind of got into you. And I remember raving there and, and um, you know, you, you dropping a set and like, every other tune in the set getting rewound yeah. uh, labyrinth was was a big part of that story I think big... in fact in fact that labyrinth was the first place to give me a residency 
Yeah. And then I moved on to Crazy Club, Astoria and all that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I remember, like, religiously going to see you at um, AWOL in, in Islam. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and this was like very early, and, uh, you know, Andy C was a very sort of close friend of ours then. And um, yeah. he was very young, and he, I would take him to, like, some of those early raves. Like, you know, come along with us, Andy, yeah. you know, before he was you know, the, the legend that we know now. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, and and yeah. Rob, Rob Playford was always hanging out with us. And so it was like, you know, there was yeah. myself from Suburban Bass, Ram, Moving Shadow, all the, all the label owners sort of like were yeah, mates yeah. and hanging out. It was that camaraderie, no rivalry, you know, yeah. we were all hanging out. But the yes. thing I remember, we always used to love about raving at AWOL View, we would, you know, be on the dance floor, sweaty mess, enjoying your set, and you would always come down afterwards. There was no airs and graces, none of this superstar DJ nonsense. Nah, you would nah, always come nah. down and rave with us. It'd be me, Andy, yeah. Rob, and you'd come yeah. jump in, and you'd always be yeah. there raving with us directly after. You know, I love Standard procedure. Standard yes. procedure, you know, because what you've got to remember is that I was a raver before I was a DJ. You could see right? it. Right? You could yeah. see that love. So, yeah. So once I finished doing my thing on the decks, if it, no, if it was Randall come on or, or Mickey or Darren or Dr. S. Gache. Yep. You know, I just used to do my thing. Right, I'm ready to rave now. And just just rave with the crowd, you know what I mean? Stay there till the end. You know what I mean? That was, you know, I've always been a raver. I mean, I don't rave now, but back then I was like... Yeah, you do. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I ain't raved. I, I ain't been out. No. I've not been there for a long time, I'm telling you. Even long before, time, even before lockdown. In, even before the lockdown, even before even the COVID. Even before lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, even before... Dan, I've, I haven't... Listen, I stopped doing all kinds of drugs. The only thing I do is I smoke of a little split. Of course, yeah, right? yeah. I stopped doing drugs for years ago. We're older right? and wiser now. Yeah, we're older exactly. and wiser Exactly, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm so not, I, stop... I don't call myself a raver, I'm an observer. I still like to go yeah, out. Yeah, I'll go there. And I'll go, I'll out go and there like... and like... Yeah, I'll go there and stand up. And, yeah. you know, like if, if I bump into you at a club... Yeah. Then obviously I'm not going to just going to go. I'm going to stand up and talk to Danny. Me and Danny's going to have a little chat, have a little yeah. drink, and that. But I won't be out there like how we was back in the day. You know, I know, <laughs> I know. It's embarrassing. Let's, let's leave it to the youngers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but good times, man. Really, really good times, and so much creativity yeah, during that time. You know, when you think about the people that were in the crowd, and and we're being yeah. inspired by your DJ sets and like you say and Randall and Gache and everyone else's yeah. you know, we're being inspired and we're going home into the jumping into the studio. There's yeah. th three key labels there that I just mentioned, you know, that yeah. banging out stuff that become like seminal tracks that, that um you know defined a yeah. great great part of the scene, you know. And then the creativity comes from from your side of the decks, the DJs that yeah. have just like been been a, a mainstay, the backbone of the scene, you know. It's like incredible times what we sort of created and what we were able to build you know well them labels them labels back there it was for me i had a few main labels i had suburban base ram yeah. moving shadow and reinforced love those guys. they were yeah they were the what they were the main because i think v come out a bit later didn't it yeah yeah they, they were a little later but I think everyone, everyone always talks about sort of reinforced Moving Shadow, Suburban Bass. Yeah, you know, we we those... really had a great fondness for those guys, and yeah. you know yeah. we we always sort of like um, upped our game depending on sort of like you know what the next release was from one of them. But, but no exactly. rivalry, that's just, it was, just love, just love. No, right? Right? Yeah. It, it was just like Moving Shadow put out a tune, boom. Suburban Bass put out a banger, 
boom, Rammer put out another banger. It was, yeah. you know, it was like that. It was, it was brilliant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and you think, you know, a lot of that is, is uh, would you agree, is the foundations for so much sort of urban UK music now, you know, when you, when you it, consider. It, 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 is it? Yeah. It yeah. is the foundation. It is the foundation. All that music you're hearing now, like drill, hip hop, the, 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 I mean, there's so much to drill stuff. A lot of them guys are following the American hip hop scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. But when you're talking about like garage, dubstep, yeah, grime, jungle, drum and bass, grime, all the stuff, that all grew, of it. Yeah, all the stuff. It's all that grew come out. from. It's all. Yeah, it's all come from. Remember, we were sitting at home with old Atari computers, designing couple, this stuff. A couple of seconds of cycle you know I mean? time, you know. Exactly. Do the best. And then you, you can. run out. You run out. You run out of memory yeah. <laughs> on the computer. You know. But yeah, we're we're the backbone for the whole whole electronic thing over here, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You started a label. I, well, I don't know what year that was. Maybe you can enlighten us when mix and blend. Is this a? Um, okay. Tell me, where does the the phrase mix and blend come from? Mix and blend, Kenny Ken. Who was the MC was that, that that coined that? Because Moose, used, MC Moose. It was Moose. It was Moose. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they used to call me um, Mix and Blend, and uh, what was it, Kenny Ken Express? Yes, that was my um, yeah. that was my nicknames. You know what yeah. I mean? Back yeah, always in the MC. Yeah, that's I mean, it's a classic. It's absolutely a classic. Yeah. And um, <laughs> what what other clubs were like important to you in them days? You know, if we, uh, I mean, A Wall was like a, a breeding ground for some. Yeah, A Wall was a big part. You had the Edge in Coventry. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Eclipse. Um, yep. Uh, obviously Astoria Crazy Club was a big part of my early days as well yeah you know then you had um, Roast at Turn Mills yeah you know that that was when Jungle was just breaking through was coming coming out of the hardcore and going into the jungle that's you know? it yeah yeah I, yeah. You know, I, I always thought of Roast as like you know the, the definitive Jungle Club you know that was yeah, uh, yeah 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 Roast was where for me I would say Roast for me is where Jungle really took a good big foothold, you know, yeah, yeah. because it was classed as it was classed as black music back then. Although a lot of the producers were white, yeah, but they was making music, you know, that was black people I, just it, loved it. You know what I mean? C- certainly of that influence. I mean, you know, if you yeah, if you uh, consider where it come from, people try and trace it back um, to house music, and um, it's got as much. Um, lineage to, to sound system culture, really, you know, and yes, you know, yeah, to reggae, yeah, 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 definitely. yeah, yeah. It owes it owes a lot. The the whole rave scene owes so much to house and and, and techno and and you know acid house as it kind of evolved. I mean, this, but, but as it become a more urban sound and a more urban scene, there was like lots of influence and and that those roots trace back to like sound system culture and 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 that kind of yeah, uh, it's it's influenced by everything. I think I think the the music, just like house music, there's no rules in house music. There's no rules in drum and bass jungle, you know. Yeah. Like it, there's it could be influenced by anything. I mean, yeah. the main part of it was the big reggae bass lines, you know what I mean, and that. But the ingredients of the music was influenced by everything. Goldie, like when Goldie done his timeless, when he done his first album, he yeah. just brought a whole heap of different influences into it, you know. So it, it was experimental. You know, there's no rules. Yeah. It's experimental yeah, because it was allowed yeah, to be exactly. because the, you know no no one was saying this is what it has to sound like we were making it sound ha- how it exactly was shaping it exactly yeah exactly yeah. exactly 
So, yeah. so with that said, what, let's have a listen to a couple of things because, you know, I've asked you to. This is a special show. This is the Christmas edition, and um, hopefully, people yeah. at home being sensible during lockdown and and they're with their their family in their bubble, whatever. But you know, this is a special show, and I said, you know, let's have a listen to some music with you, Ken. Let's um, yep. listen to a couple of things that were important to you, either from your career or stuff you was listening to. And um, you, you gave me a couple of titles, and a couple of these I know straight away, and, and I, I know yeah. the importance of them, so we're going to have a good chat about them. Um, okay. One, one of these first ones here, this is a very early, um, I mean, t- to me, uh, reggae, lovers rock, I guess, um, uh, yeah. by, by an artist called uh, Cole Malcolm, No Gesturing. And yeah. we'll, give, we'll give that a little play, yeah. and we're going to have a chat about it and what that meant to you sort of coming up, you know? Mother said, Could I leave her alone? But how can I do that when I want her in my home? I've watched her change from toys to boys, and now she is my size. So, how could I forget her now when she can share my life? Mommy, I love your daughter. So, Kenny, t- tell me, yeah. you know, this is this was an important track to you. I mean, you, you'd have been a kid with this. This is like something you was listening that to in, in the house growing yeah. up. Tell me. That that tune there, all right? My mum and dad used to have people come around over the weekend. And my mum would be doing my aunt's hair in the in the passage because we used to have a little, like, studio come passage in, in the passage because she used to do people's yeah. hair. Yeah. And my dad... And their husbands would be playing dominoes, and I'd be yep. playing the music, yep. and I'd just be putting on putting on. And that tune there was one of the first tunes I bought, and I started to know about version one version one tune, and then you get another version of that tune, and then another version. Yes, yeah, you know, and that because because this dub the the dub version of that would have had a different uh, yeah. vocal on yeah, it maybe yeah, yeah. so. I think it was big you big was it no you you uh you roy you yep. roy done a version of it yeah you know obviously he's toasting on the mic different version you know and that record there i used to love it so much and then my brother scratched it oh, and it was like i've got the ump so bad <laughs> so bad because you couldn't get that tune you know what i mean it was, it was i was so upset about it and that's why that tune sticks into my because it reminds me of the first time that i really started to get into music as a music fan yeah you know what i mean like as a collector you and, know, and you and you, was... ca- and you cared about it so much that you were angry yeah. when your brother damaged yes. it yeah 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 you yeah. know what i mean so that tune there is one of the first tunes i ever bought i don't i don't, might not have been the first tune but it was like in the top 10 you know yeah. what i mean the first tunes I so this bought, is child know? this is childhood memories for you this is like this takes yeah, you back takes yeah. you back to a time yeah. and but you can also tell how this influenced 
your career you know you and, yeah. and djs like you and it was a, it was definitely a movement out of east london and uh, i'm i'm originally from stratford and then you know you got so many other with shut up and dance and hype and that kind of yeah that ushered yeah. in that breakbeat style of of music from east london yeah. and you can hear then it, that kind of the, the influence of dance all lovers when it when it yeah, there was a, jungle there was a lot of um, producers back then like you had a para dance master um lenny d ice all from east london you know what i mean all yeah. making jungle with the reggae, with the reggae influence, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, you know? and they obviously grew Plus up in more. they grew up in households like yourself, where, exactly. where you know this is exactly. being played on a Sunday afternoon. Mum's yeah. doing hair, yeah. dad's playing dominoes. You know, yeah. the, pot, the pots yeah. on the stove. This is uh, yeah. you, you know evoking sort of memories, and and this is a, a household that you know. You know, you, you, you grew up in in East London. For myself, you know, I'm a little white boy from Stratford, okay, but um, <laughs> at, four, at 14 years old, I mean, I was playing at blues party parties, and because um, I had a, at that time, I was quite the train spotter when it came to music. And Hold on a minute. I, Hold on a minute. You was playing at blues parties? Uh, uh, so young, mate, yeah. Honestly. honestly. Yeah? And I was, uh, I was on, I had a show on, what was it? It was a radio show. It was it Studio or one of them? And I would play Rare Groove. And and I would play alongside. Right, okay. All, all the other guys were playing like Lovers Rock, so I'd be this little white kid in the party yeah. <laughs> playing like some rare groove tunes, yeah. but holding my own because <laughs> I knew my stuff, you know. And I found a flyer. Yeah, that day. yeah, yeah, I found, yeah. I found a flyer, and it was it was like eighty seven. I'd have still been in school, and I'm sneaking out to play like I'm on the on them on the bill <laughs> for this blues party in Stratford. <laughs> You know, too young to oh, even God, drink or do anything. So I mean, these, oh, these memories, like uh, you know, just uh, you know, I think it's, it's part of all of us that that helped sort of build that that part of the scene and, and bring that urban element into you know what the music became. You know, out born out of the rave scene. Yeah, wonderful time, mate. Well, I never seen I never seen no one rewind a tune at a dance until I done it. Really, I never see no one re rewind. Yep, I never seen I never see a tune get rewound at a dance until I at a, at a rave until I do oh, rave. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying I was the first one to ever do it, but I never seen no one do it. Well, that until that, I've done it. That is you know interesting. I mean? That is interesting because I mean yeah. before before then there was you know people like Frost were, were were playing and you know but he had started kind of in. The rave scene when it was before he, yeah. you know what I mean. So he was playing, he was playing house and stuff like that, and progressed into what became jungle drum and bass. Yeah, you yeah. come, you come straight in with that kind of like, I guess, sound system sensibilities, right? You know. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I started when I started DJing. I was also playing house and that, but yeah, and I, up to this day, I still collect my house music. You know, I still, of course, get, yeah, people send me stuff all the, all the time. You know what I mean? But um. When the jungle started, because it was more reggae influenced at that time, the old sound system culture came back to me. If you get yeah. what I mean, while I was playing my music, yeah, you know, so I'd draw a tune and the crowd would go mad, and I'd just think, "Shit, this needs to get rewound." You know what I mean? This is gonna, this is gonna be a tough one. Do you remember what the tune was? Can you, can you think that far back to the first what, tune, what, the what first... was the tune you rewound? Yeah. This would be um, gold if you can remember it, mate. But I, don't, I ain't. It was called. Um, oh, what's it called? <laughs> oh, oh, it was on a seven inch. It was a seven inch on a Mendoza, Mendoza record label. 
It's the, it's the old tune, Dan. If you find that tune, like, I don't even know where it is because I was looking for it not long ago and I was bullying Chrissy, like my stepson. Yeah. I said to Chrissy, Chrissy, where's the tune, man? Because he used to nick all my tunes, right? Yeah, he's probably you know, got it. That, that tune there, man. Oh, man. It wasn't even it wasn't even a jungle. It was more like a... It more had like a hip-hop beat to it, but it used to go off in the dances, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Talking to Chrissy, how is he? Because I, I always try... Uh, and, he's good. He's a lovely kid, and I always try and catch up with him when he's in LA. And um, yeah. he visits over there quite a bit. And uh, this this edition's going out on Christmas Day, Ken. So, what's the family up to? Give us a little bit of what what are you going to do uh, with well, this COVID situation? You're being, you know, what's, what's well, happening? Well, first of all, let me just wish everyone a Merry Christmas, anyway. Yeah. But me and my missus, we're staying indoors. We ain't going nowhere. Okay, good man. She's diabetic, and I'm too old to catch anything. So, you're we're not keeping that old. Our asses you're not indoors. that old, Ken. Come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're keeping our asses indoors. Right. With the, the cupboards of stocks, we've got loads of sweets, Love got it. loads of decorations up as you can see behind me, got loads of presents and everything, so we're good to go. Keeping you know? it safe, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm not going nowhere. I'm yeah, not going nowhere. And it's but it's all about family, you know, and we got we got to look after yeah. each other. And and you know, we hope all the followers of the podcast and and the label like are keeping safe and stuff. We've we've definitely yeah. been trying to give that message. No, for real. You know, it's, for real it's, because it's really important. Every yeah. every Christmas, I usually I usually go around my brother's. Like we all link up around my brother's house in in Walthamstow. Yeah, and everyone goes. The whole family goes around there. Everybody goes there. But this Christmas, we're not doing that. Yeah, play, play it safe. Yeah, COVID. Now, yeah, we got, we've got to look I mean. after each other. You know, in in our own families and in the wider community. And and that's yeah. what you know. That's what we did back in the day when we was raving. That was like a, the rave family, wasn't it? You know. And let's exactly. all just, just exactly. all try and be right. be good to each other. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's right. really important. No, for real. Um, let's let's take us back to a time when um, I, I reckon you and me both were, were, were soul heads as well. Because another tune that you picked out for me, <laughs> and you said this is one of my all-time favourites, and um, yeah, it is. And I was like, really? Because that's definitely on my list yeah. of all-time favourites. Yeah. And this is, yeah. uh, I mean, I was I was a soul, jazz, funk kind of. You know, those days the pirate stations yeah. were like Solar, JFM. Um, and, right. and like you know, LWR, like, and they're all playing like soul and stuff. Oh, yeah, LWR, yeah, 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 yeah. This is like yeah. before rave and whatever. Yeah, yeah, LWR, yeah. And this and this band that that you chose, Change, was was kind of like a studio band, and they they had um, different vocalists and and like sometimes Jocelyn Brown would front it, and this one yeah, was Luther right. Vandross, uh, Glow Luther of Vandross, Love, yeah. Um, yeah. And this was before he blew up as Luther, the Luther that we sort of. Yeah, new and yeah. loved with his solo career. Yeah. Let's have a little listen to this one. We'll have a chat about that. Oh, oh, oh. 
Change featuring Luther Vandross, The Glow of Love. Um, this was at a time before he had blown up to be the legend that he became. And um, before his solo career. And, and you could tell from you know those recordings there that, that voice was just incredible. And, and I think the nice thing about introducing stuff like this for this podcast, and so now this is a, a special edition, there may be some of our listeners that are just just been into rave and drum and bass and, and, and styles like that that maybe don't know some of these earlier tracks if you do wonderful um, but yeah. tell us how these were so important to you in your musical education Ken well that that tune there and a host of others along with it that era there was one of the eras where I really got into raving really got into going out and listening to music and buying music like George Benson Luther, whole heap of other artists, you know, and that was when I started to really collect music, you know, really had a big record collection. And that record there, I just used to love it all the time. I remember I played, I played uh, um, a girl's party and that record, I think it got, it played about four or five times, one after the other. It played, it started it again. It played and people were just having it, you know what I mean? It was just brilliant, brilliant tune. Brilliant huge, huge, huge tune, and and like maybe people don't know. Pre-rave, there was also a movement that was kind of a warehouse party movement that that was like rare groove. After we had that kind of that's right that, that flush of like jazz right. funk, uh, I guess the early mid eighties, there was that jazz funk movement where tr- yeah. trends like this. Yeah. This would have been like post disco, like sort of after yeah, she- yeah, she- yeah. She- and Noel's Rogers and stuff like that. Yes. But yeah. then, we, then we had that rare groove kind of movement, you know, Bobby and Steve and, and uh, Shake and Finger Pop and all those kind of soul to soul. And that, yeah. became, that became, before there was warehouse raves for, for rave music and, and uh, hardcore and house, we, we were going to like rare groove raves, weren't we? You know? I think a, there was a big rave called, um, what was it? Oh, TNT? TNT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was almost a like, big, almost like a sound system, you know, sound system. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. yeah, it was like a sound system, but not reggae. It was just like soul music, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, they just didn't play reggae, you know what I mean? They played soul music and a little bit of hip hop or whatever, you know what I mean? Early hip hop, you know what I mean? And that, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, man, they, them days there for me was when the whole music vibe in the UK was changing. When I was growing up, when I was a young boy. All you heard was what was on top of the pops. Yeah, that was the only music you heard. You know what I mean? And the reggae, what my mum and dad used to play as well. But that was the only music I heard. Yeah. Then when you started to broaden your horizons, you know, you're hearing all this music coming from the states, and like, this is music that you don't, you'd never heard on on the on the radio, on top of the pops or anything. You'd have to go to one of these warehouse parties to hear that music, and that's where that's when I started to broaden my horizons horizons in the music this music sounds brilliant you know what i mean it's just next level so so i mean that was part of the influence on you it's like discovering the, yeah, these new artists a big and, part yeah black black music from america that that was like you know it, it said more to you than the pop music really you know yeah because oh definitely because if you listen to the music what i'm making today some of my intros even i like melodies then you know what i mean I like melodies. I like, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love it all, but a lot of the drum and bass, the bass lines are original drum and bass bass lines. Whereas me, I'd like to bring back some of the old school bass lines yeah. into my music. Yeah. You know? 
and that's where that comes from it comes from listening to people like change listening yeah. to people like cal malcolm you know all my old reggae and soul influences coming to the music what i'm making today you know yeah so i mean you carried that soulful influence into you know uh music production and and your dj sets you know that's you know that's and my awesome. dj yeah definitely. Mix, mix and blend kenny can you you know it's like yep. taking the people on a journey right it's no pre pre-programmed yeah, sets you know tell us about a typical no, dj dj set when you first came out you know was there a typical dj set did you did you draw for a different tune depending on what the crowd were doing or what venue you was in what was a dj set like back then i've never ever pre-planned a set i've never ever um the only time i've pre-planned a set is when someone's like i think years ago you gave me a load of tunes to mix on a cd i did, I you, did you, you, and... did, you did an album for us yeah yeah. Yeah, sub bass and moving shadow. Yeah. That was pre-planned, you know, obviously. You know what I mean? But when I first started DJing, I just used to have all the tunes that I liked in a crate. Because I never had a record box and I had a crate. Yeah. And I didn't know how I was gonna play them or what order they was gonna get played in. I just used to play them. You know what I mean? So I think pre-planning is is very difficult to pull off because unless you're confident that the DJ on before you has not got none of them tunes, yeah. then maybe you could pre-plan a set. But I never used to pre-plan a set because I wouldn't like to, all it takes is for one DJ to play one of them tunes or a couple of them tunes before you, and that's it, your set's messed up. Yeah. But you I know, mean, we, so. we've heard we've heard that, haven't we? I mean, in, in more sort of current times, a lot of the, the DJs, the current DJs are pre-planning sets and they've got yeah, on, yeah, on, they their, on their USB yeah. and stuff. And you know, yeah. you'll, you'll have, I mean, you're screwed. if. The DJ on before you has played his last song is the opening song of your set. Yeah, I, exactly. You, you're done. You know? But not only that, like... in you saying that right, Dan, I've been in a position where come to the club late, right? I've been about 10 minutes late. Yeah. And the DJ's on before me is a young, I ain't gonna mention no names, but he's a young DJ, right? Yeah. And he, when I've walked into the DJ booth, he's like, oh, Oh, I was down to me last couple of tunes. I said, what do you mean you was down to your last couple of tunes? Well, I only bought, I only worked out an hour set. I thought, what? That's Mate, I play all night. What I walk with, I play all night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's just just weird. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's a different mentality. You know, uh, you know, you would have, yeah. you, you had to allow for any possibility, you know, back in the day. And you yeah. have enough, enough records that if the next two D DJs didn't turn up, you could roll it yeah. out. Yeah, carry on. I think carry I remember. On. I you think I remember I mean? carrying that crate for you into AWOL a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more, more than likely. <laughs> I was, I was honoured to be the, the the box boy for the day. You know, like get, yeah, yeah. get in the club without having to go through security. I'm like, I'll carry your boxes. I'll carry your your bags, Ken. You know, no, but those were the days. Though. I remember you, Andy, Rob, Playford, Goldie, yeah. everyone back back in the day at, yeah. a, at AWOL. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll mean, be there with you. I remember coming down to your shop as well. And all the punters would be in the front, and we get taken around the back and get all the good, good stuff. Don't, <laughs> you know, don't say that. Music. Don't say that. The they'll, cruci <laughs> they'll crucify me. I was holding the good stuff back for, for Kenny. No, no. He used to get all the good stuff. <laughs> Everyone had a chance to get the good. You know, you know, a lot of the followers on here are going to be like, uh, you know, ex ex customers of, of Boogie Times, and they're going to be going, yeah, you had all the good stuff for Ken. Well, he had a couple of bits. <laughs> And we, we, no, not just me. Not just me. <laughs> but yeah, and, and and we'd always have like an exclusive dat, or we'd make a VIP. That was a big exactly, part of the scene. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And um, 
you know, giving giving out that VIP that maybe had like your name on the intro or a special version. Yes, like that. yeah. And and, yeah. and tell us about that experience of going and and cutting it at JTS so that you had a dub plate that a tune that no well, one else had and we just lost leon from music house as well so yeah yeah rest, rest, rest in, in peace rest in peace leon that's a, a big shock to us all and i know there's a lot of people yeah. and our, our friends are yeah. very upset about that tell us about that experience of like cutting a you know music house or the first dub plate i ever cut was a, a tune and it was called um remember the old um nursery rhyme 10 green bottles sitting on a wall yeah but yeah we've done it it was 10 bad DJs playing in a club kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if one bad DJ did accidentally fall and it was, but it was done over a jungle beat. And yeah. that was the first one, the first tunes I ever, ever cut. As an exclusive. Like, That's like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That dub plate place was somewhere in Acton in West London because the people I've done it with okay. come from West London. But my main place for cutting back in the day was Music House. Yeah. I didn't really go to JTS. Yeah, I used to go to JTS. I used to go to JTS. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I'll tell you, a lot of people used to go there. I didn't wait as long. I think I think the DJs preferred waiting around because they it was like almost a social gathering. It's like it's like how how you hang out in the barbers and chat and and have a social. And that's and that's what that's that's what it was then. That's that's what the music has. Yeah, I used to go to JTS and I wanted to be in and out, and I I go and cut something (laughs) and we got in and out of there, but. You guys at JTS and and uh, how important like Leon definitely was to the scene. You know, tell us about that, man. Yeah, like Music House is a, it was a was a big part of mine and a lot of other DJs' careers. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, Dan, it was like a it was like the local barber shop. We'd go, I'd go down there, and I'd I'd go down there with like I want to cut like say five tunes, and then you'd get like Ed Rush walking, Ed Rush and Optical walking, yeah. and they'd be cutting something and then you'd hear it and you'd think, oh, I need that in my selection as well. So you'd instead of going down there just to cut five tunes, you'd walk out and there were 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Music House was so cool because I used to spend so much money there that the money what I had for them five dubs, that'd be finished. But Paul and Chris and Leon were so cool. They'd say, Ken, just cut what you want. Yeah. Come back next week and pay us. You know yeah. what I mean? So. I had a really good relationship, so I could practically get anything I wanted, basically. And not just for me, but other DJs had the same vibe as well, you know what I mean? So yeah. they, they was really good to the DJs. Yeah. Yeah, they proper looked after all of us. They looked after all it was like, you know, I even used to get phone calls off of Leon saying, Ken, come down now. There's no one here. Come down now if you just want to get in and out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But other days, like on a Thursday, I'd go down there, reach down there at ten o'clock in the morning, don't come out till six o'clock at night. Or even later, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, that's just how it was. You and know? you never, you never know who else is coming through the door and what they're going to be holding. Well, they've, they've got well, another that, you know. That's it. You got to have, you know. Yeah, that's right. Like Frost, Frost had come in, Frost had come in. It, it cut something, and I say, Nice. What are you saying? Give me a piece of that tune. I need that tune. And then he say, Yeah, go and cut it. And we cut it. You know what I mean? And that's how it was. It was just, it was just a place. To, if you wanted music, and you wanted stuff that no one else ain't got. Go to music house that was the place to be yeah yeah and it it launched uh, you know so many uh big songs that you know uh because they they were exclusive you know the 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 djs gave them that extra attention they became the the ones that were uh you know the highlight of of the set that week and for the next set next several weeks for as long as they were exclusive and that that built built careers that really did yeah music house I mean, we used to get people coming down from all over the country 
Scotland, Ireland, yeah. Wales, just to cut stuff at Music House. Yeah. You know, and Music House is a big part of the jungle drum and bass scene, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're a reggae, they deal with reggae music. That's their main thing is reggae. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for us, lot in the jungle drum and bass scene, Music House was a big part of our careers because it enabled us to get stuff and make, even make our DJ sets better. Because you knew by going to music, like I used to have one box of one box of vinyl, and then I'd have another box which was really, really heavy, full up of dub plates. Yeah, you know what I mean. And them times you had to carry your music, and not like USB nowadays, but them yeah. times you had to carry your music down, and well, it was it's, so heavy. Right, why don't you explain for the listener that maybe doesn't doesn't know that kind of background a bit what a dub plate is? Because it was basically it was a metal plate with like a lacquer on it, right? I mean, these are heavy. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like a piece of vinyl. Yeah. A dub plate is um, is where the reggae, back in the day, I'm talking about from the, in the, since the 1970s, the reggae artists would go and cut their dub plates, cut their one-aways, you know, like their specials and all that. A special. And then we just took that culture and brought it into jungle drum and bass, you yeah. know? Yeah. But it wasn't just specials we was cutting. We was cutting, like, for instance, Suburban Bass would have a new tune coming out, but it'd only be out on dub. So yep. I'd come to your shop, get the data for you, and then go down to Music House and cut it. You know what I mean? That, that way you and, can have it, like, literally fresh out the studio. We, we do a yeah, mix down, we yeah. put it in your hands, and it might take us, like, a month even to get test pressings. But you've got it for that month, giving it, like... To get that, test pressings, that, yeah. That, that, that pre-promo, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. So it's literally... And, yeah. and uh, the nice thing uh, for, for us labels, Ken, we get to kind of road test it a little bit. We go, like, we think we've made yeah. a good track. We think this is decent. Do you know what I mean? We'll give it to you guys. No, we would know very yeah. quickly because you guys are the tastemakers yeah. and then the, the crowd hears it. You know, I remember the first time I heard, I love I love some of the, I don't want to talk about my own catalogue, but some of the Moving Shadow catalogue I absolutely adore. Things yeah. like Helicopter Tune, you know, or, oh, Dread, or, or Dread Bass. The first time I heard them was just like, whoa, hold on. You know, that was an instant rewind. And and it, yeah. was, it, was, it was people like you that was like, you know, really testing those tunes out and like, you know, is this going to work? Yeah, we got our answer when we heard it drop at AWOL. Yeah. There was artists from Suburban Bass, uh, what was his name, De Cruz? Yes. De Cruz yeah. was... Lovely guy, uh, De Cruz, yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? Uh, Remark. Yeah. Uh, there was quite a few and their tunes, you know, back then, they were some of the biggest tunes out there. Unbelievable. You know, I, uh, I saw Mark the other sides. day. I went and caught up with Mark the other day, and uh, you know, it's, it's just like no time had passed. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, you know, well, that's how it is, Dan. Just, even when I saw you in LA, yeah. Even yeah. though you was driving a big Rolls Royce, you know, to me it was like <laughs> I saw you. The, I saw you the day before. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Pull, pulling up in the old BM outside uh, Awol. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. for real. Yeah, it's like no, you know, when you got that connection, it's like no time had passed at all. You know, it really yeah, is. You know, yeah, no, for real, 100%. absolutely. And so, talking about music, we've listened to a couple of things here that were definitely influences on on your life and and career. Yeah, we played something uh, that, that's uh, of Jamaican origin. We played something that's of American origin, and and, yeah. and all, all the kind of the UK was very consumed with this like overseas input of, of black music artists 100%, before yeah. we got to that yeah. point where we were recording and making music of our own uh, that was that was yeah. real sort of like urban UK and, and one of the first to come along was was um, something you've sort of picked out here 
um, an artist called Richie Rich, um, the, the guy that actually started yes. G, G Street yeah. Records, and they put out stuff yeah. with like Jungle Brothers and Queen Latifah. They were like the UK arm of of those releases. Yeah, this song became like an anthem. It was like a Hacienda anthem. It was all the Astoria kind of uh, London type clubs anthem. Salsa House was originally a B-side of, was it, was it Turn It Up? And um, we was, I remember selling it in the shop, you know, uh, yeah. when, when we had just started out. And it's like, it was this, it was this B-side. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit of this. Uh, Richie Rich, Salsa House. go a little bit of uh richie rich salsa house and that was um such an important tune in, in so many ways because um it was one of those early productions sort of uh that, that really sort of took off in the rave scene that was from a uk producer yep. and a uk label although they very cleverly I don't know yep. if you remember this they did it as an import so it's all shrink wrapped and, and yes. the version we was getting was actually right. as an import yeah. remember um but yeah. t- tell well, us, I tell us, it was an import yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it wasn't a sort. It was, what, I thought it was important. Very clever, very clever way of doing it. Um, tell tell us the yeah. importance of that for for you and um, you know your career. That tune there, right? I remember I went down to um, Dungeons in Leeds Road. Right, this was before I started DJing, when I was a proper DJ. Right, oh Tony, what's the DJ's name? Tony, big time DJ back then. Anyway, right, he played that tune and he done a mix with it. And uh, what is this tune? I need this tune. And I remember that's what got me into DJing. That tune there, and hearing that tune, I thought I need to be able to play these this music. You know what I mean? And I remember going down to um, Stafford at, at Black Market and describing the tune to him. And I said it's got a piano in it, Staff. And I, t- I tried to remember the piano. I couldn't remember how it went. And he played it. And I said, Yeah, that's it. And he said, I got I got a little surprise for you. And he gave me a different mix of it, what I what never heard before. You know what I mean? I thought, yeah, boy, <laughs> yeah. And that tune there, my favorite tune. My, yeah. in, it's since I've been from from 1988, from I started raving. Yeah. That is my favorite tune. There's no other tune, no tune I've heard. Yeah. That, even in jungle drum and bass, that hits me like that does. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? That, that, so that's. That was very early. That must have been like an 87, 88 release, you know? So it was yeah, like, well, I got it in 88. Yeah. I got it in 88. You know what I mean? To me, it was one of, it, it means it means a lot to me. You know what I mean, that tune? Because every time I heard it in a rave, I just I just freak out. You know what I mean? Just yeah. Sick tune. You know what I mean? I've just, 
I mean, don't get me wrong, there's loads of other tunes out there. I know there's thousands and thousands of tunes out there, but for me personally, that tune there is my number one. But but this is, a, this is a tune that really made you want to be a DJ. This is like, I want to be able to yeah, play stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. That, and uh, there's another tunes like I'm In Love by Shalor. Yeah. Um, there was a, there was another tune by Stevie. Um, see, I can't remember the names of these tunes now. But anyway, all them kind of music. Stevie there. When v? I, as I was stacking, Stevie V, that's it. Stevie yeah. V, yeah. That, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. All them kind of tunes there. I used to stack them up at home. And then I'd have, I thought, I need to be, I need to be playing this man because I really like the music. I really yeah. need to be playing it. And I remember one day, I was at a biology rave in in the field, and it was my birthday. I had a crate of records in the back of I can't remember whose car it was. One of my friends had a car, and it, my records were in the back of the car. I remember talking to Groove Rider, and Groove said to me, "I told him it was my birthday and that right." And he said to me, "You want to do it?" it was like the rave had finished, but. Back then, it would still carry on, though, you know what I mean? But the yeah. main part of the rave had finished. So yeah. it was just a, like a free-for-all kind of thing, you know what I mean? So yeah. Groove said to me, go and get your records. So I went and got my records, brought my crate up on the scaffolding, right? Groove played a few, then I went on. As soon as I went on and started to play my shit, the, the old Bill come and pulled the plugs out the, um, at the lorries. <laughs> yeah. Because it was all generators, you know what I mean? And they turned off the generators. They were, yeah. I was gutted, but that was my first experience of playing in front of a massive field full of people you know what i mean and and they pulled the plug that was <laughs> yeah and they pulled, and that was that was the tune i started off with Dan, you know what i mean south ass and as soon as it went at the beginning the whole crowd went mad and then the old bull just pulled out everything you know what i mean classic rave stories mate classic rave yeah. stories. and i think what was important for us with, with stuff like that is like you know seeing uk producers um you know coming through and emergent at that time and um yeah I, man you know, I yeah think, definitely i think that's what sort of like led a lot of people to go yeah we can do this you know when, when you start yes, doing stuff yeah, like that 100 record 100%, labels and producers started emerging from the uk you know yes so, yeah yeah no, i remember like like early days like dot scott simon baseline smith you know happy mondays and people like that you know what i mean all doing their thing and making this thing come together you know yeah yeah brilliant times brilliant times Really, really, really good times, and um, you know, you're talking about like the biology raves and and some of those sort of like what we used to call yeah. the M25 raves. That was that was the you know they, yeah. they, they had the hacienda up north and and uh, orbital. You know, obviously parties are orbital, in, but the orbital yeah, but in the orbital raves we used to call them the orbital raves, and we'd like have to yeah. go and like yeah. fight, listen to the to the pirate radio and find out where the meeting point That's was right. and follow a convoy right. somewhere. You know, what's your memories of that? You know, you you use part of that as both. A, r- a raver and a DJ, so you know. Yeah, yeah, I was part of that, man. Trust me, I was a big part of that. Trust me, I, I was Dan. Listen, mate, we used to we used to, there was Mill Hill Services on the A1. Yep, that was one of them. That was the main spot. Yeah. If you didn't know, if if you didn't couldn't listen to pirate radio, <clears throat> I don't even think we had mobile phones then. No, we didn't, did we? Never even had mobile phones, right? No, no. I so mean, no a couple, pirate, a couple no, of people would have them great big ones. Do you know what I mean? But you'd yeah, be lucky, yeah. you'd be like lucky if you had one. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki had a big one. <laughs> right? Yeah. But anyway, if even if you didn't listen to radio, you knew as a raver, Saturday night, about 10 o'clock, 9, 10 o'clock, drive to Mill Hill. If there ain't no one there, just sit there. Someone will turn up. And then yeah. you'd know where the parties. Yeah, you know just what get, I mean. Getting information that, off so, someone else because it was very, it was yeah. one of those kind of central kind of areas. From there on the A1, you could get off onto the M25, up, the M1, anywhere. And, yeah, and, and anywhere. Go yeah, up to the it. Midlands that's or right. wherever you had to be. You know, you could get off anywhere. anywhere. From there. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Like back then for me, it was just madness, but controlled madness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I remember one, we went to a rave, <clears throat> there was a Panasonic factory on the M4. Everyone's convoy of cars from, from Mill Hill, all the way along the M25, right? And this convoy was long. I'd say at least 800 cars, maybe more, all going wow. down the M4, going down wow. loads of cars right down. And yeah. it was so, we could see the factory along the motorway, but we couldn't get, we couldn't work out how to get to it. Yeah. So people were just park. Oh, anyone who's, who was there at that time, people were parking their cars up on the hard shoulder on the M4, yeah. so locking like their doors, dumping the car. Yeah. 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 Dumping the car and running across the field to the factory. Right. And I remember everyone was raving in the big, massive factory, thousands of people. And all of a sudden, the, the MC, I can't remember who the MC was, come on the mic and he said, "Listen, if your car's parked up on the M4, you better go and move it now, because oh, we were towing them away now." So you better yeah. move it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we had to run back to the car to make sure our car weren't towed. But, you know, that was all part of the fun, though. You know what I mean? That was all it yeah. was about the music. It was like a big adventure back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we had to sort of make the party, you know? There was the the, the, yeah. the, fr the freedom to party movement. And, you know, there weren't any licenses yes. being yeah. given out. That's and, right. Um, That's right. Yeah. And, and even the way we had to find out about the rave, I mean... These days, you got the internet and you get all the information you want at your fingertips Everything. in a second. You know, there we had to like you know tune in and try and listen. You know, meet strangers in a in a service station yeah, that's to right. try and find that's out right. where we're going that night. You know, it's that's uh, right, incredible. I remember one of the main main meeting places in London was Clapham Common on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning. Yeah, we used to go Clapham Common after raving. We used to go Clapham Common. Yeah, and everyone would just turn up there, and there was this guy called Mark. And he had a Ford Sierra. And this Ford Sierra had the, one of the most powerful systems I've ever heard on, in a car. And he just used to open the back of this Ford Sierra, right? And everyone would be dancing to it. <laughs> it was just sick, you know what I mean? Everyone would just be raving to his car, you know just what keep, I mean? It's just keeping the rave going. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah man. Brilliant. It's, brilliant. It's lovely. I think that, you know, a lot of our, our uh, followers, listeners are going to have similar stories and similar memories you know and i think this is going to evoke oh, yeah. uh, you know this is a, a special edition of the show and and i think to to bring back that kind of like memories and good times in a, in a what's yep. been a pretty tough year for a lot of people i think to recall oh. those happier times you know is, is a wonderful thing you know a little bit of happiness this year has been so tough right as a dj from a dj's point of view as a member i've got no money coming in yeah. What the government, what the government give out is nothing. As soon as you get that, that's gone on bills and everything. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's it's not just me. Everybody in the entertainment industry is suffering big time. We're the ones who are. Who are I feel we've just been put to the side. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, DJs, producers, um, sound people, people who put up the the equipment, you know, like the tents yep. and the, the venues, everything, everyone's yep. been affected. Yeah. People in the theatre, everything has been affected. It's, and it's like, amazing how much like the arts have been kind of neglected through this because and I've said it before yeah. on, on one of these podcasts, uh, Ken, I've said it before that, um, you know, who would have survived 2020 without a little bit of entertainment, without music or TV or film or, you know, this, if, you, if you're trying to say it's non-essential, which is seems to be the message from our government and and maybe governments around the world i mean I've, I've i've been living in the us for the last last sort of several years um the message seems to be like the arts is uh non-essential 
I mean, Ken. That's exactly like, what the message is. Would you have su- exactly survived? Who would have survived without music and TV and film and that little bit of entertainment to give us a little bit of joy and hope, you know? What has saved me, because like, I'm not one of these people to just sit on my ass and just wait for DJ to start. You know Absolutely. what I mean? So yeah. what I've been doing, I've took the time out to get my production in on point. Because I've, yeah. been, I've been dabbling with the production for years, Dan, you know what I mean? Yeah. But the last, say, three or four years, I've took it really seriously. And then I've got no one helping me. I'm, it's just me turning all the knobs, yeah. me doing all, everything. Yeah. You know, obviously I ask people, how would you do this, how would you do that? But it's me doing everything. So yeah. it's only now that I'm starting to make stuff that yeah. I'm confident enough to play out. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. what saved me during this COVID is being able to do that. Yeah, be creative. Being able to teach myself. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, having you the know, time to that, concentrate on it and, and, and be creative and let, have, have that creative outlet, yeah. you know? yeah. 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 You know, I've just, and, you know, it's the same for other DJs as well. A, a lot of my DJ friends who I talked to, that's what they've been saying. Like, I was talking to Simon Baseline Smith a couple of days ago, and he yeah. said to me, Ken, it's just all about making them beats. And I said, you know what, Sly, you're right. Yeah. You know, SS, um, even Groove Ride, everybody's just in their, in their studio, just teach learning. Yeah. Teaching and educating themselves more. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. You never finish uh, learning. Do you know what I mean? You never no. finish your education. No, never. And, and for me, never. you know, it's like there's always there's always a lesson in a day, and um, yeah. you know, we can always yeah. do more and we can always do better. But having that creative outlet is just so important, you know. Um, for oh yeah, people, people like ourselves that have been in it for for so long, mate. Talking of talking of which, talking of your own productions, there's there's a tune that you selected, um, absolute labyrinth classic. Uh, yeah. every, every man, every man, and um, and and we're going to play back a a, a special uh, a remix version, and um, and then we're going to have a little chat about that. Every man do his thing, I dig away different. Can I get more tune mate that's heavy yeah that is heavy that, that's that's a special that's that was, a remix 
And um, now I remember yeah, that's, um... being dropped in like, what's it got to be? 94? 94? Something like that. Back in... Yeah. Originally yeah. came out on Rugged Vinyl, 94. right? Yeah. And um, that's man, right. man, that used to mash up the place. That was like <laughs> labyrinth kind of... That's one of those ones that gets rewound, right? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Tell us about it. Tell us that about it, man. That tune there, obviously back then, you're raving, you're meeting new people. And I think I was at a roast and a guy came up to me, his name's Errol. Still see him up to this day. Uh, Errol come up to me and said to me, Ken, we want to do this tune, right? It's an Errol Dunkley tune, but we're yeah. going to get someone else to sing it. Do you want to get involved? So I said, yeah, but like, you know, I wasn't really into production. I'd done one tune before that. But it wasn't me producing it, it was just someone else that, uh, on a Boogie Beat boogie beat record. Yeah. They said to me, do you want to come and come in on this tune? So I said, yeah, man. So I went down the studio and they was building the tune. But the way they was building it, I said, no, 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 no. You've got to do it like this. And so that was my input into the tune. It was me, Errol, and a guy called Colin, who yep. who'd done the actual engineering, and um, Stevie Hyper come in as well to do a little bit on it as well okay and the guy who sang the vocal yeah the guy who sang the vocal um he, he's not alive now rest in peace i can't remember his name though but he died a few years ago so it's but not it's not I the er, not... errol dunkley original that means I, I remember no little way different that's what that's why it appealed to me i remember it from like you know yeah. the sound, sound system that in the blues parties i told you i, I yeah. played as a you, you well, know what, what they've done what they've done they got um they got permission from El Dunkley's record label or manager or whatever, record company. Yeah. Can we do a cover version? And then yeah. they said, yeah, we could do it. You know what I mean? So we went and done it and I tested it out at AWOL, smashed up the place. I was well happy, you know what I mean? And we come out on Rugged Vinyl. Yeah. Rugged Vinyl Records. But that mix, that mix there, what you just played, yeah. is the first time I've ever done a tune on my own and me turning all the knobs. No engineer. No one. No, no engineer, just me. Yeah. Yeah, just me. You know Smash what I mean? And Smashes it. Yeah. That's why that's why it means a lot to me, because that tune is the first tune I ever done on me turning the knobs basically. When I made it then it was it played it at um AWOL. I think it was AWOL I tested it out first. Yeah. Was it AWOL? Yeah, I think it might have been AWOL I tested it out first. And it just brought a different vibe to the club as well. Right. Certain tunes will switch up the producer's idea of what he has to make. Or what he wants to make, he'll hear something, yeah, and it will just. Uh, I'm not going to do it that way no more. I'm going to try this way now because that's going to be good. You know what I mean? And you can try it that way, you know. And it just brought a different vibe to the to the club, and then other tunes started to come out on that kind of tip as well. You know what I mean? Like on suburban bass, I think even Moving Shadow might have put out a couple as well. Reinforced started to bring out tunes like with more vocally rather than. Um, just beats and bass, you know? Yeah, absolutely. How did producing influence like your DJ sets? You know, did that, did, did one influence the other? Your DJ sets of you? No, I think, what... I think DJing influences, my yeah. DJ sets influence my music, the, my product, the way I make my music. Right. The way I DJ anyway, most of the tunes you play have to have an impact. Yeah. You know, like, a, a, like if you're doing a, if you're making, if the intro's, really good like other loads of tunes with intros and i'm thinking yeah man and then when the tune drops in it's rubbish you know what i mean so i've always yeah as a it's, raver about, it's and about as a, getting that drop 
like just yeah getting stop. that drop right Bang. you know what i mean yeah. yeah yeah you know what i mean and that's that's where my dj influences influences my production i mean how can we wrap it up what can we say about the legend that is kenny <laughs> ken what is next for you you know well uh, after 30 by the way after 30 odd years in the game from the beginning basically yeah I st i'm still hungry to make music Wonderful. I really, really enjoy my DJ sets. I played that last night at a sit-down rave in Bristol. Yeah. And, you know, I really, really... And someone came up to me and said to me, Ken, you could see that you're really enjoying what you're doing. And it's just what I do. You know what I mean? I ain't stopping for now. You know, I'll always be here as long as people want to hear me. And uh, I just want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Keep safe. Remember, COVID is real. Right? It ain't no joke. So... You know, just keep safe and do whatever your government's telling you to do. Just try and stick to the rules, you know? Yeah, yeah it's a nice message, Ken. And, and I completely agree. As long as we still love this, this is why we're doing it. This is why we've... Yeah. Know, I, I, okay, I've, uh, I took a break from Suburban Base, but I've been in entertainment my whole life. You've been yeah. doing... You've dedicated your life to this. And, um, and I, I always said, I, I'm going to keep doing this as long as it puts a smile on my face. And I know that's the same that's for you. That's right. I, I've known you a very yeah. long time, Ken. I know you're 100%. very genuine, passionate about you know everything that you've done throughout your career. 100%. You've given me a lot of pleasure. You've given our listeners a lot of pleasure, and uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for joining us today on the on the Base Impact podcast. Merry Merry Christmas to you, all your loved ones, and stay safe. and And thank you so much, Ken. Same to you, Dan. Merry Christmas, bro. Merry Christmas, mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bass Impact Podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and follow Suburban Bass Records on our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube for updates and additional content. Thanks for your support. Tune in next time and stay safe. Sonic has something delicious for you. Hey, announcer guy, that's your cue. Try the new Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Savory steak mixed with grilled onions topped with crispy bacon and melty American cheese, plus creamy mayo and tangy barbecue sauce. Or try it spicy with zesty cheese sauce and jalapenos. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely craving that previously mentioned thing. Sonic Steak and Bacon Grilled Cheese. Mmm, Sonic. Limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 